continued to do these challenges, that also shifted the way I perceived myself because now I was perceiving myself as somebody who is able to go outside of their comfort zones, who is able to look at their anxiety in their eyes and make choices to develop. Welcome to Talk Deep to Me. I'm Tatiana Desire. And I'll be answering your burning questions when it comes to self-development, healing, and spirituality. This way, you don't have to get lost in the rabbit holes of the internet and put the thousands of puzzle pieces together all by yourself. That's what you got me and the tarot for. So... Let's dive deep, shall we? Hello, beautiful people. So, today's episode is going to be a little bit different from the other ones that we've had on the podcast previously. Previously. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, <laughs> so, the thing that is different about today's episode is that I'm going to be telling you story, a story or stories from my life instead of like focusing on a question and using the tarot to dive deep and uncover things from it. So today I'm going to share my story of how I overcame depression, anxiety and self-harming and I'm going to tell you how I did it. What were the crucial points in my life? What are different techniques or things I did to to shift the direction of my life from depression, anxiety and self-harm to a life that I feel is worth living and fills me up. What I am hoping that this episode can give you is well first of all feeling like you know if you're in 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 a difficult position in life right now just showing that there is a possibility for something else. That's the main thing. And second, I want to show you the actual process that one can go through to reprogram or change and shift their life. What does it actually look like to go from one reality to another reality? How do you do that? And so today I'm going to be showing you how I did that when it comes to depression, anxiety, and self, self-harm. I am hoping that this episode is of help to you. That's my greatest wish. And yeah, that's what I wanted to say in this little intro. <laughs> But before we go ahead with this episode, I want to share with you about my breakthrough readings. In these readings, I help you to identify why you are attracting a certain life experience into your life, what subconscious thoughts, beliefs, and unprocessed traumas are contributing to that you having that experience in your life, to you being in this pattern that keeps repeating itself. On top of that, you'll leave the reading with a clear sense of direction and with specific and custom exercises, prompts, perspective shifts, and tools to help you reprogram your subconscious mind, heal from wounds of the past, and create the life that you truly desire. So, 
how do you know if this is for you? This is for you if you want to start focusing your energy on the right things that will actually get you the experience that you want in life. If you want to feel the rush of motivation and inspiration to take action towards your goals and slay them, bitch. (laughs) You want to have actionable and clear exercises that are specific to you and your exact pattern, your exact need that comes up in, in the energy of the reading. And this is also for you if you want to feel like the light bulb is turned on. Standing confident, looking straight in the eyes of life and knowing how to tackle every obstacle that may come your way because you got all you need. So if this is you, I invite you to slide into my DMs on Instagram. It's at Tatiana Desire underscore and let's have a chat. And so without further ado, let's go ahead with this so story number one of I think this is like honestly one one of my greatest accomplishments in life overcoming depression anxiety and self-harm like you know when you're in that state of depression and anxiety it's, it's, it's like you you really don't see a way out. Everything is darkness. Everything is like a it's like a black cloud following you everywhere and you never get to see the sun. So for me it felt like I was doomed. I was doomed for depression. I was doomed with anxiety and you know like what the fuck is the point of life if you're going to feel like that? You know, especially when you think you're going to feel like that forever. So let's have a little bit of a backstory to my my story with depression, with depression, anxiety and self-harming. So I actually started to be depressed when, I don't know, I don't have like an age because it was such a, I don't know, like the beginning was such a strange beginning because honestly, like I didn't like I knew something was wrong But I didn't dare to believe it was depression because I would be thinking too much of myself. Like, how dare I compare this to depression, you know? But I was having, like, an... I had an existential crisis at 13. I was like, what the fuck is the point of life? Like, everything is impossible and everything is like... So looking back at it, I know that those depressive symptoms already came alive at the age of 13 and I had like you know thoughts of like why even live I felt like everything like I felt like my dreams were impossible to me and I was thinking like if my dreams are impossible then what the fuck is the point of of life like what am I gonna live a fucking boring life in which I have to work 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 in a shitty job I don't even like and just be fucking miserable? No, I, I don't understand. Like, why did God even create us? Like, what is God even? I don't even know. What What, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Ugh. So that was kind of the beginning. They, then I had a, a, a good face. We, we moved from Sweden to Spain. And the beginning of that move, it was amazing. I was so happy to be back in Spain. Ugh. But of course, you know, the high didn't last long because there were 
set of new challenges in on all honesty like mm, those the anxiety and the depression I was feeling prior to that it hadn't been really resolved so it's kind of like it, it it was covered by this high and kind of came back later so yeah uh, but again when we lived in Spain when I was like really getting you know like oh shit there is something wrong with me uh, there's something not really right um, here. I, I I used to like Google every fucking night about depression. What are the symptoms of depression? What are the symptoms of anxiety? What, what, what Why do people self-harm? Like I was consumed by it because I felt like I needed someone to validate what I was experiencing, but nobody around me would do that. I felt like nobody really saw me, you know, really saw what I was going through. Um, and it was so difficult for me to speak about my emotions. Like, that was a major challenge for me. Like, if Sometimes I felt like I wanted to, to share about what I was going through with my parents, with my mom, with my dad. But, like, you know, saying one sentence of like, mom, I think something is going on with me or I'm anxious or something. Like, it took me literally two weeks of like going to the room every fucking evening and trying to open up. And then realizing, no, fuck, I can't. <laughs> and like over and over again for two weeks. And then I could like let out a little sentence. So it was just fucking, you know, uh, I don't know. They're just, I thought they're just going to tell me, you know, like, you're making this up, you know, get over it. <laughs> so I, I s kept things for myself. Things got worse. Yippee. <laughs> My mother passed away when we were in Spain and that made, you know, we had to uproot all of our lives and we moved back to Sweden. And let's say that my depression and anxiety got way, way worse. Obviously. Everything in my life was unstable. Um, prior to that, I was feeling like there was no point to life. My mom is gone. Now there is really no point to life. So we moved back to Sweden. I was grieving. I didn't know how to grieve. I didn't know how, how, like, how do you do this emotional stuff? You know, how? Ugh. I I tried, you know, as we were doing the moves, I, I felt the pressure of being like my mom. Or being like, you know, a mother figure for my brothers. And I put all that pressure on myself. And I remember like when we we're making the move. Um, a couple like to the new apartment. I was just trying to get everything done in a good way. And then one day I say, well, today I'm gonna, I'm gonna just rest. I don't need to do anything. I'm fucking exhausted. I'm just gonna rest. And after that day... I did not come up from my bed, like, 
After that, I like stayed for hours and hours and hours in my bed every single day. Like my bed was and actually still is like my 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 safe place, my comfort zone, my I need to go to my bed and recover and feel hugged and feel yeah, it just makes me feel safe. My bed feels safe to me. So, yeah. I started having suicidal thoughts pretty early after mom dying. I had nightmares. Damn, those nightmares. I had them for years and <laughs> flashbacks. Specifically, the first two, three years after my mom's passing were like, ow, really painful in many different ways. And yeah, there were many emotions alive in me and I didn't know how to handle them. I didn't know how to express them. I didn't know how how to deal with them, navigate them. I felt completely powerless to to my to myself, to life itself. I felt yeah, like I was doomed. I was doomed in darkness. This like there is no way out of this. There is no way out of this. And I remember there being a moment that summer in which, this was 2014, by the way. There was one moment that summer in which, like, I think we had, like, a family fight or something. And I was like, I can't handle, like, I'm gonna, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm gonna break. Like, this is, like, way too much for me. Like... I can't deal with myself and I can't deal with the people around me that are not doing good, feeling good. Like, I am completely powerless to this. Too much. And that's the moment I began to self-harm. And I kept on doing that for, I don't know, five, six years. Yeah, almost six years. Because, I mean, it was a coping mechanism, you know, like, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know what to do with emotions. Nobody had ever told me. Nobody had ever taught me. And to be honest, I don't blame them because nobody taught my parents. Nobody, like, we don't have that emotional, like, as a society as a whole, we lack emotional regulation skills like as a society we reject emotions we see them as weakness we see them as something in the way from doing and reaching our goals it's like we see emotions like obstacles but you know what the fuck like do you know what the truth is our emotions are actually the keys to the life we truly desire. It's kind of like the gold, like the pearl is inside of the emotions. We just need to enter the world of emotions to find the pearl and unleash it. Either way, self-harming was one of the ways I coped with uh, emotional overwhelmed and with expectations and obligations because I didn't have any other ways to do it 
And to be honest, it, it was a way, it, I found comfort in that. I found relief in it. Um, I found that it helped me deal with, you know, with life in general. And here's one thing I want everybody to know about not only self-harming, but other addictive behaviors, is that there is always a positive intent with why you're doing those things. You know, even though, you know, logically, like, you know, this is bad, you shouldn't do it, uh, this is not healthy for me. But here's the thing, behind every action, even though it looks on the surface, like it's hateful, it's wrong, it's self-sabotaging, there is always a positive intent. So I understand why I self-harm. It gave me things I didn't know how to get otherwise. But you know what actually helped me? One of the things, like one of the first steps to overcoming self-harm for me was realizing that it had a positive intent. I went to like a group therapy and we made like a mapping thing, like four squares, and we had to write the positive consequences, long-term and short-term for self-harming. And we had to write the negative consequences, long-term and short-term of self-harming. And that kind of shifted my relationship with self-harming because it, 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 like, it made me feel like for once I wasn't crazy for doing the things I was doing. You know, it gave me relief, I guess, like a, a sense of self-acceptance because... Most of the time we judge ourselves like, oh, fuck, you're a fucking idiot for doing that. How the fuck do you know, don't know how to do it? And we just keep on telling us all these bad things about why we're doing something. And then we're, we're stuck in it so we can't change. And it's just like a fucking snowball growing, telling us how, ugh, you know? But in seeing that there were actually, like, there was actually a positive reason I was doing a certain behavior helped me not be so harsh towards myself. It helped me understand myself and how subconsciously I was choosing to do something in order to help me, meaning I'm not only bad to myself. So that was one of the, the, the first things that helped me change the patterns of self-harm. So let's talk a little bit about anxiety before I go to, you know, the, 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 the how I overcame these things, even though I gave you a glimpse of how I overcame self-harm. So anxiety, my experience with anxiety, Jesus Christ, I remember like just before my mom died, I was like having anxiety attacks every day for like three, three weeks until the point she died. In like the first week was, I would just feel it, you know, like during the day, my, no, during the night when I would go to sleep, I would go to sleep and my heart would start pounding and it was like, 
you know, this uneasy feeling in my chest. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong? Is there something wrong with my heart? What the fuck is wrong? I don't know. I'm going crazy. What I, 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 yeah, it was like, I couldn't grasp it. I didn't understand what it was, you know, like I didn't understand that that was anxiety. I only Googled it, but I didn't believe that that was me because, you know, I don't want to exaggerate or be overdramatic or, or, ugh. so yeah, <laughs> I didn't understand it was anxiety. Went to the doctor for that. Actually, they took tests. And, you know, oh, I fucking hate this. You know what the doctor said? You know, he was like, no, your blood, your blood results are, are fine. Are you sure you're not like in love and you're feeling the butterflies? I was like, bitch, please. I, I don't even think about men in general. I don't think about potential romantic game prospects. No. So please just like shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm fucking suffering here and you're telling me I'm fucking in love. No, you could have told me it could be fucking anxiety, but no, you told me, oh my gosh, are you in love or something? Oh, annoyed me. Nobody, like, I didn't even get validation of my experience from a doctor. So yeah, I was a little bit mad about that. And I was like, yeah, see, the doctor didn't say anything, so I'm making this all up in my head. <laughs> well, Besides from the general anxiety, oh, yeah, then I had, like, panic attacks through, like, oh, my God, I remember I had, like, some days, like, the panic would just be, like, a constant, constant, constant feeling, like, ugh. Yeah, so, besides the general anxiety, was also the social anxiety, you know? Damn, like... People, ugh, people, mm. I always felt like I was so inadequate with people, like, I don't know what to say in the right moment, I always say everything in the wrong moment, and what I say is not relevant to, to, to the thing, and the things that are re relevant, I always say them too late, and oh fuck, I need to go to the store, everybody's staring at me, why is everybody staring at me, fuck, I need to run away from this place, <sighs> going out, sometimes I even thought people were following me, like, I'm, I swear, that guy has like a gun in his pocket, he's gonna shoot me or something, I better go the other side, you know, like, it was getting, um, there were faces in which, like, my anxiety was a little bit over top the roof, like, ah, like, I'm sure somebody's gonna come to my house and kill me, so I need to <laughs> get thousands of locks on the door so nobody gets in. <laughs> I told that to my psychologist, and she went like, trust me, don't do it. I was like, fine, I will trust you, but this is also how I'm feeling, like, damn. Whew. And I was just, like, generally scared of, like, interacting with other humans, human beings. I always thought that they looked at me with, you know, side eyes. Oh my gosh, who the fuck is she? Why is she like that? Why does she have such a dark vibe? Ew, I don't know. That's the way I thought people looked at me. So let's talk about overcoming depression, anxiety, and self-harm, what the journey was for me. 
So specifically to depression and anxiety, I think I had like a few key moments. The first one was when I finally finished high school and graduated. Ugh, school was horrible for me, high school. I, like, when I was a kid, I was like an A student. Like, give me A's or I can't handle it. I need to get A's. Like, don't, like, some subjects subjects were like, okay, I can get a C on those because they're, they're not my strength. But everything else I need to get A on. And if I don't get it, mm. So, yeah, depression and such things made it so I didn't barely go to school. So graduating was a big moment. But what made, like, it was not actually the graduation itself, but it was the liberty to to kind of like, um, now is the time I get to be free from the school. And there is a small moment of transition here. So the first step was getting the fuck out of this country, <laughs> traveling, basically, <laughs> you know, like changing environment, seeing something new, taking steps to do something I enjoy. And let me tell you, I was still fucking depressed during those trips, but they changed small things about me and the way I saw myself and my potential, you know, because prior to that, I felt like I was worthless. Um, nobody likes me and everything is going to go to shit and there is nothing in life I can do right or well. So the first trip, the first journey I took was uh, we, I, it was with my, with my best friend and we were, uh, interrailing through Europe. So that was fun. I was like, dude, I have dope planning abilities. Like, oh, this is so fun. Like, we survived for one month alone through this whole fucking continent. So yeah, I loved it. Beautiful places. But what really, really changed me was my trip to Africa. So that trip, I, I like, I flew alone to Africa and we had like a group, um, a group, like a group of strangers go on a trip together. They have like a bus and they camp together. And I was like, exciting. Like, I'm not going to go to Africa by myself. That's a little bit scary to me right now. Mm, and I don't want to go to Asia because I think in the future I can go to Asia alone, which I did. It was fun. But so let's take Africa now. <laughs> that was like how I was thinking. So I went to Africa with a bunch of strangers. Mm. <laughs> and I remember like the first day we were like sitting in this ring, like, mm, tell us why you came to Africa. And everybody would say why. And my answer was, honestly, I needed to get the fuck out of my bed. So yeah, now I'm out of my bed doing something. And everybody started to laugh, but in a good way. I was like, oh, nice. I'm happy that was their reaction rather than looking at me like, what the fuck? But later in that trip, like, as we got to know each other well, they were like, damn, like when you said that, it was unexpected, like you were so brutally honest and authentic. I fucking loved it. And it was like a shock to everybody because everybody was like, oh, I want to go on an adventure. And you're like, I need to get the fuck out of my bed. So I was like, wait. So that was actually like 
you translated that as a positive in your brain? Damn, wait, I didn't even know that was possible. To like, I thought you're all gonna judge me, but I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, my mentality going there, like, obviously, I mean, social anxiety, I was afraid to, you know, not fit in, it's gonna be this and that, I don't know, like, I don't know what's gonna be like with all these people, maybe I'm gonna be alone, but for me, like, I put one rule down for myself, and it was, I'm gonna be myself, and I don't fucking care, (laughs) and it worked out, it worked out very well, so on this trip in Africa, what I found out is that people don't hate me, (laughs) People can accept me even though I'm depressed, even though I share depressing things. People actually are capable of enjoying me. Like, you know what was strange to me? That people would actually listen to me until the end of my sentence without cutting me off and looking into my eyes while I, while they, while I spoke to them. Like, that was amazing to me. I was like, what the fuck? They're actually listening? Like, usually before that, my experience had been that people just kind of look away and try to have a conversation with another person. And I was like, ouch. But this did not happen. And people were actually interested. They came to me. They asked me questions about my life. They listened. They validated my experiences. They told me, like, wow, this is such a great thing. Like, coming from that and you daring to come out here all alone like this is amazing like they they really built up a sense of confidence inside of me that I didn't have before it made me believe that um, oh I'm getting emotional now hmm it made me feel like I was not a complete total failure and that I was likable and that I was interesting. But another moment in that Africa trip that really, really, really changed things for me was my birthday. Like the journey in which we're together as a group and guided and whatever that had ended. We were in Cape Town and regardless of it ending, we, you know, we kept hanging out, doing things together and it was my birthday. And they had decided, like, the group of people there, my friends, had decided that they would celebrate, like, we're going to book a restaurant and we're going to celebrate her. And, I mean, I was excited because when I was a kid, I was like, I don't want to invite anybody because I'm afraid they're not going to come. So (laughs) I just had my birthdays with my family. So, um, yeah. They bought me food, they bought me drinks, they bought me cake, they bought me fucking presents. And, you know, like, sitting on that table, I couldn't stop but crying from absolute gratefulness to receive all that love that I felt I never deserved or never got or the attention that, like, I hadn't done anything for them to come to me and treat me like that, you know? Like, in my eyes, I was just a depressed chick, you know, trying to to survive life. But they treated me in a way that made me feel like I was valuable, like I was important, like, yeah. And that moment completely shifted 
the way I saw myself. When I came back to Sweden from that trip, I decided that I was going to try to get a job and I'm gonna save money and I'm gonna move out of this country. <laughs> Haven't moved out yet, but <laughs> you see how that is going. But just that gave me a little bit of motivation, you know, that sense of I am capable of something and I'm important and people can see positive things about me gave me the little boost I needed to, to put a little bit of forward motion in my life. Even though it was a little, it gave me some forward motion, you know? And I was still fucking depressed after that, not gonna lie. Like, again, I kept on harming myself, anxious, depressed. I had a job, I got a job, and I, I was barely surviving it, you know? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Not nice. But then comes part two of <laughs> overcoming depression and anxiety. And this was one evening. I was living at my grandma's. And, you know, I had been working a little bit and still depressed and suicidal thoughts, harming as told. And I was like, you know, I've had my attempts and I still have these thoughts, but apparently I'm not, I'm not killing myself, I thought, like, so if I'm like, I'm going to be honest with myself, am I going to kill myself ever, like, is thinking about it just a way to cope with being in reality, playing with it in imagination, you know? So am I going to really do this? I need to be honest with myself. And the answer is no. I can't do it because, like, honestly, my brothers were the things that kept me alive. Like, I cannot do that to them. And so in that moment, I said, so if I am not going to kill myself, then... I need to give life a shot. I need to give life a shot, like a real shot, not like, oh my God, I'm trying to leave or something. I need to give it a real shot. And it's interesting. I actually had a plan. Because <laughs> here's the thing with me, like, if I'm going to live, I am going to accomplish every single thing I dream about. Like, that was my, my, my view. Like, if I'm going to make... Like, if I'm going to live, I need to make or create a life that is worth living for. And I'm not going for anything less than my dreams. Period. Like, other than that, it's not worth it. Fuck that shit, <laughs> you know? That's my, that was my mindset back then. So, I was like, okay, I have all of these big, big dreams. And let's be honest... The way I am right now, like if I'm fucking anxious about going to a restaurant and have a nice meal alone, then how the fuck am I gonna reach all of these big goals I have? Like if I can't even do that, if it's fucking scary to me to, to sit in a fucking, like go to the movie theaters without company, how the fuck am I gonna reach all of these dreams? So... I started something called 
the challenge jar. <laughs> Basically, it was a little jar in which I put different notes with things that were outside of my comfort zone or things that I usually didn't do. And some were, you know, more challenging than others and some were just like trying something new, like mm, growing sunflowers, like that that took an effort, like, I had to go to the fucking store, you know, and take care of a fucking plant, and water it, and stuff, <laughs> but if you compare, you know, sunflowers to going to a restaurant alone, there is a difference in the anxiety levels, and in going out of your comfort zone, so one of those were, you know, going to the movies alone, eating dinner at a nice restaurant alone, and let me say, that meal that I ate was the most amazing meal I ever had because I was alone and I was able to pay attention to every detail about it. And you know, I'm a chef. You know what? I actually work at that restaurant now, <laughs> which I ate. So that's pretty fun. And it's a cute little story. So yeah, me being a chef, it was like a mm, wonderful inspiration. Love it. What else did I do? Oh yeah, I... <laughs> I don't even know how I did this, but I, I went to a fucking open mic scene and I wrote slam poetry and I read it out loud on stage. And the thing is, it was like a really deep and personal one, like shit. But I think that was actually really important for my, my, my process, you know, like daring to be so open for the whole world to see and feel me and as I continued to do these challenges that also shifted the way I perceived myself because now I was perceiving myself as somebody who is able to go outside of their comfort zones, who is able to look at their anxiety in their eyes and make choices to develop. This is, this to, to be honest, this was like the beginning of my self-development, -develop, personal growth journey. And I didn't know it, but it was going to lead all the way here. But that was the beginning. This was the autumn of 2018. Yeah. So that challenge jar was was great. Took me out of my comfort zones, changed the concept I had of myself. Then third thing that actually really catapulted a big big change and it was mushrooms. <laughs> so let me tell you the story behind it. Like I have a friend that lives in Los Angeles, no? And he was here in Sweden and he goes like, oh, you should come and visit. And I was like, yeah, sure. Hmm. You know, but somehow I kept hearing that sentence in my head over and over and over again, you know, and <laughs> I started to have dreams about Los Angeles and I had like, I, I, I saw a post about you know, flying to the States, and I was like, oh, let's check, you know, tickets to that, but there was, like, this little voice, this little knowing that said, like, I knew I had to go to Los Angeles because something important was gonna happen there, like, 
I was like, damn, like, there is no, like, I have to, I know I have to, I don't even know why, but I know I have to, something is gonna change my life there, I just know it, but, like, I don't know what, I don't know how this is gonna play out, I just need to find a way to get me my money, I need to find a way to get the tickets, and I need to fly and get there, and lo and behold, it changed my life, I... Oh, we set it up so perfectly. We were in, in a beach. I think it was Huntington Beach. Yes, watching the sunset. <laughs> I love sunsets. I fucking adore them. Like, I live for them. They give me life. I... Oh, sunsets, okay. So... What was I saying? Yeah, so... We had chill music... <laughs> blankets, the sunset, the beach, and mushrooms. I had never taken, you know, mushrooms before at that point. So I just knew there were psychedelics and you can like hallucinate and it's cool and it helps you see things from new perspectives or stuff like that, you know? So I was like, sure, let's fucking do it. Well, there is, what is there to lose, you know? And damn. Um, a fucking completely shifted the ways I saw life. It turned my life upside down in the most positive way I could ever have imagined. Whew. I don't even remember all the details, but I remember like the, the, the realization that changed everything. So I was just like sitting there, it was kicking, there was some, you know, uh, visual elements that were coming alive, textures were, were changing, stuff like that. And I was just looking at the sun and I felt such peace. And I remember noticing the thought, wow, life is so beautiful. And the thing is, that thought popped out to me because I was like, damn, wait, did I, did I just think that? I, I never think that life is beautiful. I fucking absolutely hate my life. I hate everything about life, you know. But that moment, I thought it and I truly felt that it was true. Life is so beautiful. And I look at my friend and I go and tell him, I was like, do you know what I just thought? And he goes like, what? I was like, I thought that life was beautiful. And then I just started like bawling my eyes out. I was like, ah, ah. because in that moment, I realized, I, like, I realized how much of my life I had spent on not looking at what was straight in front of me. Like, I have the fucking sunset in front of me and it's fucking beautiful. And that moment with mushrooms taught me how to be able to take it in. Prior to that, I was not able. Like, I had all of these lenses covering things. Sure, I could enjoy a sunset, but I couldn't truly allow myself to experience it because I was in so much pain, you know? And I just started realizing how much of my life I had spent wanting to die. And that moment was the first in years 
that I understood the purpose and the meaning of life. I was in harmony with life. I was one with everything around me. I felt stillness. I felt peace. I felt like experiencing experiences in life were neutral. Like, for instance, it was actually cold, you know? And I was freezing. But normally I would have been bothered by it. Like, oh, fuck, I need to do something about it. Fuck, I'm cold. This is a problem. We can't be here anymore because it's cold. La, 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 you know? But in that moment it was like, oh, interesting. I'm experiencing the cold. Huh. I don't know. I just started to have like a, a snowball effect of realizations upon realizations upon realizations. And it was like everything hit me at once. And I finally understood so many things that I had been asking myself for years, years. And I also finally understood acceptance <laughs> because Prior to that, I had thought that acceptance was, you know, giving up or giving in or like, fuck, nothing is going to change. So I'm going to accept this shit. And I was like, dude, I'm not accepting any shit. I'm not accepting less than what I want. But in that moment, I understood that acceptance is not giving up. It's not not having any goals. It's not not having a direction, you know, acceptance is being able to be with what is. And that doesn't take away your desire for something else. It doesn't take away your drive to create something. Like, you can have both. I actually said, oh my god, you can have both cookies. Ah!" (laughs) Like, I was like, I can have both cookies. I can have acceptance, peace of the moment, and go towards what I want. Wait, what? You can have both cookies. Like, that was, like, a fucking mind-blown for me. Like, what? I didn't didn't think it was possible, you know? (laughs) Damn is what I'm saying. Damn. Regardless. (laughs) Shit. Yeah. So, actually... Yeah. The day after the shroom trip, it's like, I... I was just silent. I was like just taking everything in. It's like my life just changed drastically and wow. I just I just I just I just need to take this in, you know, like wow. <laughs> wow. And you know what was interesting too? Like prior to taking the mushroom trip, like yes, my self-harming behavior had lessened like instead of doing it multiple times a week I was now doing it like every couple of months or weeks you know so there had been an improvement but it wasn't after until after my shroom trip like after that I never cut myself again so it's been oh in February it's gonna be four years (laughs) nice so yeah And that, like, when I came back home, I remember, like, people could notice that something had happened and something had changed. I was, like, I had a joie de vivre. Like, I was 
enjoying being alive. I was dancing in the streets sometimes, like just twirling and like, damn, is that the same Tati? What the fuck happened, you know? Regardless, I mean, after that point, I'm not going to say that things were easy. It's not like, ooh, everything is good. I still had depressive symptoms here and there, but like overall, like, you know, prior to the mushroom trip, I had like, I was on sick leave from work. Like I didn't work at all for a couple of weeks and I worked 25% then 50%. Then I went off to LA and when I came back, I could work hundred percent and I had energy. I, I had a will to live like, yeah. So yeah. Mm. Things really changed for me after after that. It it like if the moment at the table with the challenge jar, like it started uh, my self development, personal growth journey. This started like this took it to the next level. It took like it took the lens, like the heavy filter of depression away. I had difficulties, yes, but I didn't suffer from the same amount of depression or anxiety at all. And I started to become more aware of different different patterns I was stuck in, like in a way that I hadn't been thinking about before. I started to become more self-aware and, I don't know, more interested in general about, you know, myself, how I work, what I need, how I feel, stuff like that. So let's talk or go a little bit deeper in how the self-harming thing worked prior to prior to taking mushrooms. So here's the thing. I always had the perspective of I'm never gonna force myself to quit. Uh, self-harming so I didn't have like I didn't put the pressure on me to not do it like if I wanted to do it I did it I don't fucking care you know like these people who are like I try to quit self-harming I was like I I don't vibe with you all like it's a conscious choice like I chose to self-harm you know I'm choosing it so I didn't have this need to stop If I felt like doing it, I did it, period. I'm not going to fight myself. And I don't know. Like, I feel like that mentality kind of like removed the resistance because I wasn't fighting myself on the the self-harming. While if I would have been doing that, like mm, fighting myself... There, there would be like resistance, a conflict. So I think just having like that perspective, like if I'm doing it, I'm doing it. That's that. It, it, it helped me not be against myself all the time. And I'm not saying, you know, like if there are people here listening to me that are self-harming, I'm not saying this as a way to say like, go ahead and just like, do whatever you want or I'm not minimizing you know how difficult it is for people to stop it when they actually want to stop it it's just I'm sharing how my own mindset what was at the time and from the perspective I have now 
I just see how having that perspective lessened the resistance, you know? Other than that, you know, like regular therapy ah, didn't help me so much with, with um, the self-harm. But what actually helped me was the group therapy I went to. It was emotion regulation group therapy. It was like a mix of different types of therapy. Some DBT, some acceptance therapy or whatever. It was a mixed of, mix of things. And... Yeah, as I said before, like the first thing that changed the relationship I had with self-harming was seeing that there are positive intentions within me when I take those actions. Like literally this, there is a part of me that is like, oh my God, here is a solution. This is something that can help. This is something like I, I'm trying to help you by doing this even though it's not maybe the most beneficial way, like, this is what we have and this is how I can help you. Like, it made me understand that, you know, I'm not completely fucking crazy for doing what I did. The second thing, besides, yeah, I started, like, part of the therapy, what we did was tracking, like, becoming aware of the moment of the trigger like that was a practice that I was like I don't know what the fucking point of this is but like tracking the triggers throughout the day like oh I got triggered to self-harm because this happened and it made me feel this way and this is the intensity of the emotion like without knowing it what I was doing I was learning to see my own patterns of self-harm and becoming more aware of them and I was like that was a way to create a more objective relationship to the self-harming like you're watching it rather than just being it you know and when you watch it and collect data about it then that creates this sense of separation from you and it. It is not you. So I think that was one of those things that helped me that way. And I wasn't even aware. I was like, this is bullshit, you know? <laughs> I thought everything in therapy was bullshit. That Like, I hated when people told me what to do. But I have to admit, I did like group therapy. <laughs> I loved it, actually. Mm. Then another important thing, like after I had finished therapy, after mushrooms, and even still now, but this happens rarely, very rarely now, but, you know, I would have, I still have, like, I would have triggers. I would have things that triggered the urge to cut myself, and it would get really strong, and I knew that this is not something I want to do, you know? I knew it. Mm. And I developed a technique to help me, again, create that externalization and also notice the positive intent of this behavior. So basically, I created a character out of the behavior. So it would be like, it's the part I created was like called Adrian. <laughs> 
I painted the whole picture, how Adrian looks like, how he speaks like, how, how he acts like. And every time I would notice that I had a, a urge to self-harm, what I did is that I would talk to Adrian because I had made it up so that he would be like, he is the one responsible for these things. So it's the externalization, right? So I would just have a conversation with Adrian. Hey, Adrian, how are you doing? I see that you, 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 you feel like this is a good moment to harm ourselves. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? And then I would just let him talk to me and tell me, like have a meeting with him, you know. And that helped me see the positive intent Adrian had for me. And I decided it was like, you know, like, I don't know how to really resolve this, but I'm just gonna hang out with you for a bit. Let's hang out. Like, I don't know, let's drink a cup of tea or something, you know? I don't know. And through that progress or process of, you know, creating a relationship to, to this part and this character, Adrian, I was able to understand myself better and also not take those moments as you know, as personally, as I wouldn't attach or identify with my urges to self-harm. I could see them more separate from me. I could experience them, but I would see them as more separate from me. And so the urges would kind of like decrease. And also over time, as I got, gave attention to that part of me, as I was willing to listen to that part of me, as I was willing to let it express, like the energy was able to be processed and I wouldn't get as many urges as I used to have. And that process I used for a while until I barely got any any urges to self-harm. And now, I don't know when was the last time, but it happens very, very rarely that I get those um, urges. But when it happens, it's like, I can handle them. Like, I've expanded the capacity of my nervous system to be able to experience those emotions without going override, you know? Like, without feeling like the only option is to harm myself. So I can just experience them and let them pass and just let them be, you know? And yeah, so over time, they kind of like faded. But those were like the most crucial steps for me in order to reprogram and change and heal from 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 self-harming. And yeah, you know, as you create those changes, like for instance, whenever, like when I was actively self-harming, I was teaching my subconscious mind, my mind, the pattern of pain equals harming. And that would be a pathway that would be practiced multiple times. So every time I had an emotion, a strong emotion, my brain would offer up that solution because it had practiced it. It had been programmed, you know. And here's the thing. I still have that path programmed. But... I have another path that I have practiced more. 
And that's what happened with the character creation. I was, like, cutting, like, I was changing, like, the path I usually took, and I kind of, like, created a new path. So instead of harming myself, I had a conversation with the character that self-harmed, you know? And from that, slowly but surely, I was strengthening a new neural pathway in my brain. And the neural pathway was one of in which we are exploring and trying to understand and find the positive intent of that. And that made it so that the self-harming lessened because I didn't have that connection between strong emotions and self-harming as strong anymore. So, my friends, this is the story of how I overcame depression, anxiety, and self-harm. I am really hoping that this could inspire you to see that there are other possibilities, other options available. Like, if you're currently living in a reality in which depression and anxiety and self-harm or other, you know, difficult things are the norm in your life, What I want to tell you is that, oh fuck, I would hate hearing this when I was depressed. (laughs) Okay, wait, what can I say that I would not have hated hearing when I was depressed? I think I hated everything, honestly, so I don't know. But yeah, from someone who would have hated what I'm just going to say, I want to say that there are other options available the reality you're experiencing right now is not the only option and my biggest hope is that one like hoping that even like a a little thing that I said in this podcast episode today can help you in creating those changes that you need it motivates you or inspires you to to have a little bit of hope that life can be something different. And I can say this. Today I am living a life. I'm, like I love living. Like I never thought I would say that I love life. But I do. I genuinely love life. I love learning. I love experiencing. I'm okay with the downs. And I'm okay with the highs. I'm actively taking steps towards creating the things that I want. And I never thought that I was, I mean, I thought, you know, like, but I'm actively taking steps to create the life I want. I actively finding the parts of me that, that need love. I... I love who I am. I love how I express myself. I love seeing myself in the mirror. I love my body. I feel comfortable in it. Hmm. I don't want to die. I want to be alive. (laughs) I want to be alive. And I never thought it was possible that I could ever say it. So I am leaving you with that. It's worth it. Life is worth it. It's worth waiting for it. It's worth working for it. It's fucking worth it. Okay, I love you. See you on the next episode.